Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, the NFL season, which is nigh, the PGA Tour, and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use, it's safe and secure, you get your winnings in as quick as two hours, and of course, any day there's a sport being played, you can bet the same game parlay, you just combine multiple bets from the same game and you can discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in and if you're new just make sure you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and use the promo code minus three the word minus the number three so they know we sent you and Eddie Spaghetti let's start this show minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3. Kevin Hench back from London. Dave Damashek back from Pittsburgh, PA. Both towns have their own Big Ben. Kyler Murray has a fancy new deal. Major League Baseball has its second half ready to roll at the time of this recording. Oh, so much to discuss. Let's yap about all of it, shall we? Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. And the aforementioned Kevin Hench. What's the poop? How you feeling, Pally? You got the COVID over over in the UK, huh? I'm on the team now. Um, You know, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you had a little rougher go of it than I did. uh, But Because I'm meek. I I would, like, you try to imagine if this had happened in the before times, like, would I even have mentioned it to anybody? Like, I mean, like, I felt crappy for a couple days. But, like, I was really thinking, like, I don't think I would have missed work. Like I would have felt shitty, but like, you know, in a writer's room every year, a bad cold whips through the writer's room. Everybody gets it, but everybody knows what everybody else has. So you don't dare miss work. Cause you're like, everybody knows what I'm going through. I've got a cough and a runny nose. And it's like, yeah, that you don't stay home for that. And like, I tell my kids, like, if you're not throwing up, you're going to school. So hmm. it's this weird thing where like, if it wasn't like COVID, I don't think I would have, I just would have said like, yeah, I kind of put a damper on our vacation. I was a little under the weather, but uh, you know, not too bad. Hard to sleep. Among the all time, on the all time list of, and I could go, you know, I think we could do 10 shows worth of um, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. With the COVID, it's like, well, you, you really are supposed to not go out and you're supposed to sequester for five days. But by like the fourth day, my and my I was like, I'm fine. I can go out to dinner. And people said, yeah, but you you can't go into restaurants, though, because you're in danger of uh, of infecting other people. And I was like, yeah, but I feel OK. But of course, I'd be outraged to know that the table next to me had somebody with COVID at it. So that finally got in my head enough so I didn't do it and I tried to to be a good citizen. But it well, is funny how you're like, I don't feel like, wait, wait, but I'm a close, oh, she can't go out either because she's a close contact to me. So also she has to, and you're like, oh, now I see why this is such a gigantic pain well, in the Well, this ass. is, I mean, look, look, obviously right out of the gate, no vaccines. It's like, Jesus Christ, people are dying. Like they're mobile morgues. This is, this is terrible. We need to shut it down. Because there's, you know, it, it's it's a deadly pandemic, and so then, of course, even pre-vaccine, people are dying. Mobile morgues. There, there were voices who were like, "It's no big deal." 
Like it's just going to thin the herd a little bit. Like who, you know, they're the, the weakest. Who cares? And like we're like, well, like they're human beings. We should maybe care a little bit. We should mitigate. And then I think it was like around Delta, um, you know, when I saw you in Vegas at Sal's 50th, I was like, okay, we're vaccinated. This is these are two huge indoor events. Delta is raging. And it was kind of like, well, let's take this vaccine out for a spin. Let's see how this vaccine does. So we had the two indoor events, 150 people, one positive came back from Vegas, mild, nothing. And it's like, oh, okay. That's good. Okay, we're okay now. Omicron comes around Thanksgiving and it's like obviously wildly infectious. But now we're getting all this anecdotal, you know, obviously personal, you know, you know exactly what you experienced. And so it's like, okay, it's not great. It kind of sucks. But, you know, and I'm sure that the president's getting his Paxlovid right now and like he's going to come through it. He's an old man. So my thing is like, okay. We all know the original rules of you can't go out to dinner. You some anyone you've been with can't go out to dinner. You can't be. And it's like, yeah, that's when we were mitigating against this other thing. Now we're mitigating against feeling crappy for two or three days. Like, I don't think we can. I like I feel like I've I shifted, agree. I've shifted. It to did suck. Though. It did. It well the 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 wiggle room for people who don't want to like, ah, it's not that big a deal is that it it plagues people on such vastly different levels. It wiped me out for three days. I had 103, Oof. 104 temperature for, for three straight days. It sucked real hard. I'm still kind of tired from it, but you know what? Enough about that. You mentioned Delta and it makes me think of no bad advertising that I wonder if the airline got a boost out of the, the, the prominence of the word Delta. Well, being the, out the, there the bigger society. one that, I mean, there now we would have real data, but is is Corona B. Like, that's the one that right out of the gate, like, wow, this is AIDS diet candy. We, you know, like, wow, wow, this is just, it's called Corona. What? Um, I can't believe, I can't believe that it's worth $10 million annually to put the name of your company that I still have no idea what it does, AcroSure, on the stadium, on, on, on the outside of a stadium. How that equals people, I mean, name recognition and everything else. I, I, I'm such a dummy about, the impact of advertising, but it really, I, Acrisure, are people in Pittsburgh or people nationally going to tune in to whatever Acrisure does? I mean, witness me a week plus later since they took the Heinz ketchup bottles away. Why they had to do that, I don't know. We just talked about it on Extra Points, Cousin Sal Marty and I, but what, who, who was the curmudgeon? Was it the Steelers who said, yeah, get those bottles out of here? Or was it Heinz and said, no, you don't get a free giant fake bottle of ketchup out there. Anyway, people buzzing about that on the banks of the And there's rivers. also like, you know, OK, so you you want to be affiliated with the city of champions, with the winner. But like, I mean, crypto, when you go to the crypto dot com arena and watch Russell Westbrook go four for 21 with eight turnovers, more likely to invest in crypto. Like, I mean, it's funny that crypto, like that was such an obvious, like this, this name can't, how long can this name last? But it's like, talk about a, a product and a naming right that deserved each other. The Lakers and crypto. It's a match made in heaven. 
I mean, if you're a Lakers diehard, are you supposed to feel incented to get involved in cryptocurrency now? Like, hey, LeBron advocates for it, and I'm a big LeBron guy. Ergo, I'm I'm uh, rolling half of my fortune into uh, into cryptocurrency. You know, I, was, I don't I get was, how it works. I always say, I don't know. Oh, you 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 should those Matt Damon and the gang should all have to say how they were paid at the end of those commercials. <laughs> how are you? Um, paid? So. We have uh, really this is renowned as it's infamous for being the worst week in sports. I think it gives you some wiggle room because you get you excited. What do I always say? The greatest virtue of sports is they give you something to look forward to. Otherwise, I, I mean, I don't know what people who don't follow sports do to fill the hours in the and the days and the weeks and the months of their lives. I mean, the that was sports is something to look forward to. Next week, next month, it's football season, and we can start talking about season win totals for the NFL, and we can wring our hands about the state of college football and whether or not our favorite school is going to land in the right conference. By the way, go back and listen to Tuesday's episode with Jeff Schwartz. We did a deep dive there. He's one of the great voices on college football. Had some fun yapping with him. And I gave my first no playoffs for you NFL team of 2022. It's Ooh. a very difficult uh, exercise to complete. I'm sorry, I interrupted you there. Well, well, uh, I, I was I was just uh, well, no playoffs for you. There, there, there. I think we're going to agree on a on a big name, but we'll we'll see. Uh, but l- this is kind of our refractory period, right? This little mm-hmm. dead this mo- this dead zone in sports where it's like that's all right. That's when you accumulate some mojo for the for the good the good euphoric football season that's just around the corner. And you know, obviously, uh, I'm not that uh, optimistic about my Patriots, but the but the football season as a whole should be incredible. Like there are so many great storylines, so many contenders. Um, no no obvious dominant you, you know team expected to run away with it in in. It really anywhere. I think teams that, that that have been dominant, the rest of their divisions are pulling them in a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, obviously super excited. And we just chill during this mellow summer period. Great time to have COVID. I don't know what you're doing out there, but get your COVID now. You don't want to have it once the NFL starts. A range of subjects for us to dip into. I said, uh, t- talked about a couple of them at the top there. Let's talk about what is not interesting, though. I mean, our conversation will be spellbinding about what's not interesting, but I, I think it's a fascinating cornucopia of uh, of vanilla out there. And I, I'm talking about, and then we do have to talk about Kyler Murray and we'll start talking about win totals and all that. What did you care the least about? Or is it a, a tie for the bottom? The ESPY Awards, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the Madden ratings that were just released that have the world on fire or the release of another throwback uniform, Kevin Hench, in pro football. The New York Giants going LT, Bill Parcells era throwbacks with the Giants all capitalized, slanted on the side of the hat. Any of those intrigue you at all? Well, no. Uh, I figured that this was like, this is the, this is, if I made a list, as I say, what do people who don't care about sports do with themselves? I looked at that list of things that have happened in the last few days, and I thought zero percent of these hold any allure for Kevin Hedge. He could not. Uh, he, he couldn't he care could less about the, any of these. Throw the home run derby in there too. Like it is, it is a wasteland. This little period we're in. 
Um, obviously, it's a it's a point of great uh, friction between us that I, you know, I hate a uniform that tries like that distracts me. I mean, obviously, those Miami Heat things that a uniform can be terrible, but I'm not I can't get excited for like a, a small tweak here or there. Um, but like the all-star game, I can't remember the last time I gave a shit. Like, I don't know, like it's so it's, it's kind of sad. I, I just don't. And I, and I think part of it, this, this is out of a bigger conversation, but you know, the Red Sox are in this situation where it's like Bogarts is gone. Don't, don't think for a second that you're going to resign your beloved all-star shortstop. And it's looking like Devers, we might not be able to compete or, or might not try to compete in the Devers sweepstakes either. And it's like, I don't know what to do with baseball, you know, all-stars when the the facts are coming in. Like the Mike Trout signing, not helping the Angels win the World Series. The, you know, the Bryce Harper signing, not helping the Philly. Like he did everything he could, but there's something about the nature of the sport. Okay, you sign Russell Wilson – He's got the ball half the game, right? You sign Kevin Durant, he can touch the ball every possession. You overpay Mike Trout or Harper, they're watching 90% of the game just like we are. Like you can that's why those when you look at war, you're like that guy was only worth 5 games over a stiff this doesn't make any sense, but their salaries, they're getting paid like Kevin Durant. They're getting paid like, like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. So so now you're in this situation where it's like, hey, uh, that guy's awesome. Don't fall in love with him because your team's definitely not going to sign him. And by the way, you should hope they don't sign him. It's like, really so funny you that still- you bring that up because I was the minute before jumping on the kibitz with you and Spaghetti today was looking at the MLB standings, and it occurred to me that literally not since the 1970s NFL has there been such a collection of haves and have-nots. The big spending teams, and there are exceptions in either direction, like you say, but for the most part, even you know, since free agency got going in Major League Baseball, I don't remember a, a season where it was laid bare as much as it is right now that, like, if you don't spend... You have no chance. Now, I know the twins are in there and they're in the middle of the pack in terms of spending. And right now they they lead their division. But really, you have zero shot. So it's funny that you would make that point right now. But to assist your point, I once again and I, I, I brought this up a couple of days ago and I bring it up to you again now because we talked about it six months or so ago when we kicked the Edmonton Oilers in the butt. And, and um, I'd like to think largely are responsible for launching their deep playoff run. When we said, how can you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and miss the playoffs? And if they miss the playoffs, they're the most underachieving duo of superstars that we could ever think of. Move over, McDavid and Dreisaitl, because you guys did okay, at least. You still have to get to a final and maybe hoist a cup at some point. But still, I mean, they have been replaced as the great, not underachievers individually, but how can Mike Trout... And Shoei Atani be on a team that is as bad as the Angels are. Explain, Hedge. What I mean, this this is is this the all time? For, again, I bring up the same question I asked uh, six months ago with the Edmonton Oilers superstars. Can you think of any team? I mean, any team in in our lives that had two guys? I mean, those two guys are definitely top five players in Major League Baseball. 
and they're nowhere close to making the playoffs again. I mean, they they are arguably one and two in the American League. I mean, you have the two best players in the league, and you're terrible. Um, I bet the Angels over win total. I've already ripped up that ticket, obviously. I thought they were going to be good. I, how can you be this bad with this much thunder? Obviously, the Rendon contract is a killer. Um, and, you know, Syndergaard is not really missing bats. But it, 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 it speaks to the nature of the sport. McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, obviously, are going to play a third of the game regardless. But every power play. And I mean, I remember, remember those power plays where it's like, oh, they don't change. McDavid, McDavid brings the puck into the zone for two consecutive minutes. Like that, you know, so you can dictate, you know, when the bases are loaded with two outs in the seventh inning, you don't get to put your power play out and send Mike Trout up to bat. You know, Luis Renjifo is at bat, you know, uh, uh, Tyler Wade is at bat. Some stiff is at bat unless it's Trout's turn. And then of course the other problem is, uh, well, we don't want to pitch to you stud. So it really is the nature of the sport. I mean, it's funny. I know the Dodgers won immediately with Mookie. Um, and I know it's blasphemous as a Boston fan, but it's like when you look at wins above replacement and you look at that contract, you're like, okay, well, it's not going to be that long before that contract is not a winner, you know? So they won their title. So I guess, it's, you know, and then they added Freddie Freeman, but the, yeah, this thing where, uh, you have a soft cap, and the the halves can spend a lot, but you just don't get enough wins to merit paying Juan Soto $500 million, which is weird because it's what the market is going to dictate he gets. And you're like saying, we're going to cripple our team for the next 10 years. It's, I don't know what the answer is. What's the answer? I, it's fascinating because these things all combine to, to, to this question, I feel like. I was talking about this with people about, with the family, about O'Neill Cruz, this very splashy phenom. He's got no batting average, but he's hit some, um, already some crazy, lazy, what looks like lazy swings, and they fly out of the yard 450 feet, and he's dynamic and needs to be the face of the the Pirates franchise for the next 15 years, assuming they're willing to offer him some insane contract. And the difference is, of course, if you're the Yankees, you can offer that contract and five or 10 more just like it. Whereas Joe Maurer with the Twins, now 15 years or so ago, like he was a local kid and how did we can't let this guy get out of here. You know, he's a, this guy's a stud. He's the best catcher in baseball. And what's more, he's a Minnesota guy. This would be a terrible story if he left. So they sign him and it immediately corrupts the the <laughs> franchise. Like, and they're like, we can't, we can't afford this contract. So what you're supposed to do, I'm not exactly sure, but you've been as a Boston fan. So you see Mookie go after you guys kept pretty much who you wanted. Okay, you you vied for Alex Rodriguez way back when and lost out on that. But you were in the bidding for everybody. And all of a sudden, that was the first time I could remember the Red Sox losing somebody they really wanted to keep. Um, so Mookie goes and Tom Brady leaves your team <clears throat> the and uh, moves on. And then you're in this unknown. Would you rather, I mean, that that's better though. Than being, I think the two bottom feeders are right now. Would you rather be a Halos fan in 2022 and have these two guys you can go out and watch, but the team stinks, or a Calgary Flames fan right now, Johnny Hockey? They, they, they are 
the, you know, uh, we talked about it throughout the regular season last year in the NHL, that those Calgary Flames, you may not watch them, Western Canadian hockey team, you may not uh, find the time in your sports watching schedule to tune in to Flames games late night. Um, but Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk are two of, two of the better players in the league, young guys as well. Johnny Hockey's already gone. Kachuk has made it clear he's not re-signing long-term, so now they're trying to deal him. What a gut punch if you're a Flames fan that this team that really had a shot at the Cup last year and you get the the, the Civil War with Edmonton Oilers and you really can make a case they could have really survived that series and maybe even gone to the final or at least, you know, given the Avs a real series. And now... Nobody wants to be there. It's 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 embarrassing almost. It's like going to a party that uh, that the cool people ain't going to. What's the worst team that you can think of to be a fan of in sports right now, Hench? Well, it's such a gut punch for the sort of the word to be out. Like, not only are you not a destination, but if anybody's any good, they're going to want to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, I mean, I know, Calgary is so good. They were so good and so close. As Spaghetti pointed out, like that team was close. Like team was close. And now like the Avalanche are like, oh, I thought we were going to be playing seven game series with them for the next five years. Uh, they're not making the playoffs. Like they're, they're you know, so I think, uh, you know, being a Calgary fan, watching how exciting that team was, how young they were, how, how on the precipice they were, which is where the Avalanche were, right? You know, so imagine McKinnon and McCarr just go, I don't want to play here. Like it, it's so brutal. So even you know that that I think is worse than the Angels um, because people still want to live in Southern California. People, you know, I mean, they're they're still getting guys to resign and sign in in Anaheim. Um, but good lord, that that uh, it, you know to to build it and be that ready and just have it crumble, uh, devastating. I mean, you know, with Mookie Betts, which was devastating you know, we're coming off a championship. Like you've, you've had the euphoria. Like you, if it happens, like even Freddie Freeman, all right, well, you guys got your parade. Like, yes, it's devastating, but winning a championship definitely eases the pain a little bit when you're building to a championship and the thing blows up that, that seems like maximum devastation, almost as bad as Acrisure being the name of your state. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, you know, I think I've made it pretty clear that that uh, you know my my blood runs black and gold um, through my veins and all that. I don't know. I don't, I'm not nearly as bent out of shape as the average inser is about this Heinz ketchup thing. The the uh, all right, so the field's not called that anymore, but people will still reference it as Heinz Field, and I'm not sure how it exactly dents your game day experience. I I I. I'm sorry if I'm a curmudgeon about it, Pittsburghers or Steelers fans, and I'm not matching your your passion for this. I think it's just a weird devotion of time for a grown up to, even if it takes you 11 seconds to sign into an online, um, to 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 sign off on like we got it. We we've got to tell the Steelers this is unacceptable and uh, and, and campaign against them making this. Name. It's 10 million dollars a year. It allows them to fund the you know stadium fix ups and and otherwise. I find it. Oh, very, I, mean, it, I, I mean, $10 million, obviously walking around money for an NFL owner. Uh, I mean, isn't it worth $10 million a year to play at Rooney Field? I don't know. Well, that, my, my point, it keeps, uh, you know, why not Heinz, uh, why not Acrisure Rooney Field? That's all. 
I mean, that, 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 it, well, I don't think that was his name. I don't have his birth certificate in front of me, but <laughs> no art. A. I, okay. All right. I, I, I see the, I see what you're getting at there, but yes, Washington nationals fans have to be sick too, because now their future is scuttled as well. Presumably. I mean, Juan Soto and, and I don't know. I see some nationals fans. I, I, I get that the gut reaction is, Oh, Nationals, you blew it. But what were they supposed to do? They offered him almost a half a billion dollars. If he's not going to take that, then what are you supposed to do if you're them? Um, I mean, the whole thing of like, we can we can lose Harper because we have Soto. So, you know, don't worry about it. We, we, we've, got a, we've got a better Bryce Harper. He's better than Harper. This can be great. It's like, oh, we're going to lose him too. So, I mean, you look at the history of baseball, you know, Ruth Gehrig, you know, Mantle and Maris, these, these, these three, four hitters, like, Oh, they're just going to be gone. Like, I don't, I, it's so sad. I mean, and you pointed out, you know, that those, those halcyon days where the Red Sox had Manny and Poppy in the middle of the lineup. And it just feels like you, you get 18 months of those guys playing together. And then one of them gets dealt at the deadline because you just can't afford it. I, I don't like, because the market has gotten so crazy and someone will pay that. So it's just going to be this crazy player movement. I mean, you know, Machado, obviously that wasn't worth it for the Padres. But if you're an Orioles fan and you watch this guy come up through the system, you're like, oh, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Devers, gone. Because the, the the team that will not pay is the team that has the guy, which is weird. Well, right. But I think Cashman and the Yankees could be the canary in the coal mine who maybe have identified this. Eddie Spaghetti seems not at all concerned about Aaron Judge re-signing, but it does sound like there's some buzz that it's not a lock that he's going to go back there. And the Yankees are the ones who feel like they've kind of taken their foot off the gas, like, yeah, we're out on bidding for that uh, that big-ticket guy. More than they ever were. It always was that, oh, there's a, a big-name free agent. Oh, Juan Soto ain't going to stick around D.C. Well, then obviously he's going to wind up with the Yankees. It feels like those kind of things are that philosophically the Yankees aren't as interested in handing out those deals anymore. Any concern for you with Aaron Judge's return, Spaghetti, or are you just trying to enjoy the here and now with the mighty Yankees who have, for what it's worth, dipped under 700 ball? The Astros, at the time of this recording, they're playing a doubleheader. Um that team, legitimately, it feels like the Astros and Yankees, your nightmare, Eddie Spaghetti, because uh, I feel like Houston may well get in the Yanks' way of getting to the World Series. How say you? Well, that's a good point with the judge stuff, because let's just say if they, you know, they do lose to the Astros, and I don't think they will. I think the Yankees will shore up their team during before the deadline hits. But if they do lose to the Astros and then judge is like, well, I want to hit the open market, uh, I don't foresee this happening where they're not going to keep them, but there's a part of me that's like, well, they haven't actually beat the Astros. They haven't beat the Red Sox in the playoffs. Okay, so then he goes somewhere else, and then the Yankees get involved in Soto, which, you know, their name is kind of being floated out there now a little bit too. It's like, well, That's I the beauty I, of being I, a Yankees I, fan. See, that's the, what no, I was going to say. Sorry but, to interrupt you, but it's like the O'Neill Cruz thing in Pittsburgh. It's like, well, they got to lock him up, dude. What do they, go? they can't let O'Neill Cruz go. It's like, well— they better be because they handed Gregory Polanco a 10-year deal and it really hurt them because you can't miss. If you pay somebody, it, it's it got to be 100%. And then to Hench's point, like, 
Otani and Trout haven't equaled anything for the Angels. So so then what are you doing? At least the Yankees could be like, oh, that one didn't work out. We can move on to someone else, another big ticket item. I'm sorry, interrupt. Well, you. yeah, it's just it's not that I'm not saying it's going to be Soto, but like the point is they'll be in the mix for a replacement player. So maybe is it the better route to kind of blow up this core what they have going on right now with Stan and Judge? It hasn't gotten them any World Series success. You go and sign some other type of players that are out there. I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen in the least, but I. I wouldn't be that that thought process to me is fine. I I understand that if you can't get over the hump, you can't beat those teams in the playoffs. It's like, well, maybe this this thing isn't working and maybe they go a different round. They just show up their pitching. They go for the, you know, they're not the big bats They go for more contact hitters. I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be a, it'd be a huge change up. They, they can't win the World Series. Boone's gone. Cashman's probably gone. The judge thing is definitely a question mark. It'll be a huge seismic shift for the hmm. Yankees. But I, I also feel like this team has what it takes to win the World Series. I think they could beat the Astros, and I think they're going to get uh, a lot better at the deadline. So, You know, but it, there is this kind of this – I know that every team – I mean, every team with money can go like, well, if we don't sign him, we can sign him, and he's got a slightly better war anyway, and he's younger, and we can stack our lineup. And then – so then you just have this kind of revolving door of like, oh, remember when uh, Giancarlo Stanton was on the Yankees? And he's like, not really a Yankee. Like, you know, like – and it's just like – I remember when Soto came up with the Nats and they – oh, they won that World Series. And then he went over here and then, you know, uh, Machado was with the Orioles and then he was with the Padres. And it's like, I don't know what we're rooting for at a certain point. It's like any guy you like, any guy you love – Raphael Devers hits 103 mile an hour fastball from Araldis Chapman out to left center. You should cry. Oh, oh, he can turn around 103 mile an hour fastball. That means he's going to play for someone else. Like, it's so sad. Like, Aaron Judge should play his whole career with the Yankees. He came up with the Yankees. He is a Yankee. He's an iconic figure. You, you, that should still be allowed to happen. And it's just, it's we're in this thing now where it's like, I don't know, let's get this shiny new car. The but there's no, you know, there's no community like you're like you want kids to have posters of their guy like jeter the captain that is exactly right hench and you know what spaghetti made a great point the other day when i was advocating in advance of the pittsburgh penguins bringing back chris letang and gino malkin and there are a lot of curmudgeons and local media can be as curmudgeonly as you want and obviously to some degree they're goosing the listener by saying like what matters is championships forget about the sentimentality but there is a large percentage of fan bases around sports america that buy that now that curmudgeonly kind of like chasing the brass ring the championship is all that matters and as i always point out you're going to wind up disappointed the vast majority of the time if you're a fan of any team whether it's the yankees or it's the angels you're generally not going to wind up happy if the goal if the only thing that'll satiate you is winning the title i'm with you completely but spaghetti made the point I can I, I have the luxury of being that way because I've seen that Penguins core win three Stanley Cups and I might have a different attitude if they'd never won at all. That if I hadn't seen that group of Crosby, Malkin, Latang doing it. So it it is weird, but I do think that fans that have gotten sucked into this mentality of that uh um sort of cutthroat kind of get him out the door and bring somebody else in because all that matters is winning next year is I I've I, I guess I've been wrong though because for 20 plus years I've said as free agency permeates its way through professional sports and guys just start jumping all over it then creates a situation where 
depending on the sport. Baseball is much more, um, it's harder to divine who's better. As I, you know, the example I always use is if the Yankees played the Pirates in, in 10 best of seven series, the Pirates would win one or two of those series. It, or best of five, let's say. They would win two out of th- two or three of those series over 10 series of best of five. There's a greater difference between the best Golden State against whoever the worst team in the NBA is. They would the Golden State would win ten out of ten best of five series. Um, even if you're even if you're two percent worse than the team you're playing in an NBA series, like it's very hard yeah. for the better team to lose in an NBA series. So you know, I'm all for free agency on a human level. Of course, I think that 19-year-old college football players should be allowed to profit off of uh, off of their toil, and I think you should be allowed to play ball wherever you want. The problem is, is that what it does to, to fandom, and I, I am happy, you know, think globally, act locally. I am all about now circling the wagons, coming down from the Roethlisberger 18 years to drafting a pit QB and like, well, you know, Latang and Malkin and Crosby are old and they're probably not going to win a Stanley Cup. Like, ah, so what? They're our guys. They're going to continue to be our guys for another three to five years and they'll go off into the sunset at the completion of it and it'll be a special moment. Maybe it isn't hoisting a Stanley Cup, but there are other things that matter and are satisfying and are enjoyable at the fan level, provincially speaking, whether the rest of the world cares about it or not. But it is a it is a uh, a weird spot. <laughs> but the the thing that I can't make sense of is that players care about their Madden ratings. But I also <laughs> have to point out, I know people make their jokes like, "Can you imagine? Would you think Franco Harris would have cared about his Madden rating?" Yeah, I do. That's exactly what yeah. he, he would absolutely care about it. That's where I I can't get with uh with the old people on that it's like it's such a dumb thing to worry about well clearly you've been you, you've missed that boat but it doesn't mean it's not relevant to these guys because they all care about it that said it's it, it's uh it's kind of weird huh well whether it's madden or sports illustrated or the new york times just rating you just saying this is what you're worth this is your That's value right. of course you're going to be sensitive to it i mean if there was a madden comedy writer rating and i was like fucking 71 what, what are these guys I, what, i'm funny what 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 you know of course you're going to be sensitive uh i like the guys the ones that are overrated they must be like wow i'm not that good <laughs> <laughs> don't they know i've lost a step you are yeah that's exactly right hench you are exactly right people especially sports fans but human beings care about where they are rated by other people people don't want to hear it it's the same thing as like you know i i think we all believe somehow most people believe that it's like when you say, like, don't tell anybody else I said this and don't talk about me behind my back, that somehow you are immune to what you do to everybody else in the world. Everybody talks about everybody behind their backs. The sooner we get comfortable with that idea, somehow I think that we think like, well, they're not doing that to me when I'm not around. You know, they, I mean, I know that we do it to everybody else, but they, nobody talks about me behind my back. Yeah, they do. And I think we are obsessed by people's opinions of us. Obviously, it guides us into bad behavior. The best people in the world, the people I am most envious of, aside from multi-billionaires, are the people 
who really just don't care. Who it, it is not in their head. Like the people who dance like no one's watching, as they say, the people who really can do that are the people I envy the most in this world. They just uh, that like I'm not worried. I'm, I'm 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 you know all the life's short. I don't have time to worry about it, what other people think. The people that can actually achieve that, those are those are the the best people on the planet, right? But well, I think we all do care how you rate us. I mean, it's <laughs> funny because like you know. In my business, they go um, like, hey, we're really we're really excited about this project. We're really we're really excited. And it's like um, there's literally only one expression of how excited you are. How much fucking money are you going to pay me? There's no I don't need high fives. I don't need to like. So, <laughs> you, know, like you know, if you're an, a professional athlete, you're like, yeah, here's how much they like me. I mean, I thought I thought Draymond Green, you know, obviously he drives you crazy when you're rooting against him. But. You know, I guess he flipped off the fans or something. You know, he got some fucking $10,000, $20,000 fine. And he said, like, I make $28 million a year. I'll be all right. I'm like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Like, like, wow, wow. That is uh, way less than a parking ticket for you. Holy shit. Uh, Yeah. So, so there's, there's your Madden rating and then there's your real rating, which is like, how much does it rain in your bank account every payday? Uh, hey, real quick, because we were on the subject, and, I, and it was funny. You were almost you were getting right next to where my head is at when you, we were talking about like, are the Yankees going to be in on this? Or we really do need some good old fashioned George Steinbrenner collusion where the owners call each other and go, "Hey, knock it off." I mean, I know they lose that lawsuit. You know, they always get caught colluding with each other, but this baseball particularly is in desperate need of some collusion. Hey, how about Juan Soto plays his entire career with the Nationals? That'd be good for all of us, okay? Knock it off. Everybody everybody, be cool. Make this guy eat shit and go back to Washington for $300 million. You know, I like that's what I want as a fan. I want Devers in Boston, Soto in Washington, and Judge in New York. There is a funny paradox in the sports leagues and who is fans of them. Sports fans in general probably lean to the right politically and all that kind of stuff. But it is funny that Major League Baseball is comprised of St. Louis spends loot. You know, the Cardinals uh, are big spenders. But, But for the most part, it is the coastal elite teams that will shell out the most money you know, in the in the most severe sort of uh, sort of capitalistic sort of representation, whereas the NFL hard cap and all that is the most socialist of the leagues. It's, it, there is something funny about it is, uh, about that, right? And it's by far the best product. So it's like the hard cap is good for fans. We've said it a million times on the show, but it, it is funny that um, – the reason, you know, taxes are so high in blue states like our, our beloved California is because um, people will pay them. Rich people want to live in L.A. Rich people want to live in New York. Rich people want to live in Miami. Like it's like so these the blue enclaves, um, they like they attract rich people and no one's richer than professional athletes. So there are always going to be destinations unless you do what the NFL does, which is like hard cap hard cap and which is not good for labor. Hey, real quick, I want to throw out a best bet because we were on the Astros and the Yankees. So Yankees plus 300 to win the World Series, Dodgers plus 350, Astros plus 450 on FanDuel. That seems like great value to me. I mean, that series where the Yankees, I know they ended up splitting the four games, but the Yankees couldn't get a hit until the ninth inning in any of those games. They were no hit. Like, you know, Verlander, 
uh, uh, Valdez, Javier. Like that rotation is deep. That lineup is obviously playoff tested. Like that just seems like you're that should be even money. Astros and Yankees should be. Even I was money. looking. Astros I was, are plus four fifty. I because we're going to transition more and more over the next six to eight weeks into pro football and college football and away from baseball. I assume. And so I was looking at those and I, I couldn't vibe to any of them because of what I said earlier that you know best of five series, short series or, you know, really don't belong in baseball because of how narrow the difference is between, especially between, you know, a 98 win team and a 90 win team, you know, best of five series of one pitcher pitches well on for the one side. And that's, uh, that's the story of that series. Um, I do love that though, but morally, where are we supposed to come down on the Astros now? Have we moved on as a society? I know Eddie Spaghetti hasn't, right? I mean, no, I haven't. I also have a, a bet out on FanDuel for the Yankees to win the World Series, and I got a pretty good number at it. And again, yeah, like, but I'm, you like the Yankees. Are we allowed to bet on the Astros morally now? No, I mean they their punishment wasn't it still wasn't severe enough, and they still have Altuve, who's a, a, a scumbag. So I mean, like I, I think everyone should be rooting for the Yankees to win it. It's better for baseball. And the Yankees will win it. I, I will go on a limb and say the Yankees will. They will shore up. They need. Uh, you could say what you want about midseason, you know, Jul- or late June, early July baseball. Oh, splitting a series like this. The season is nowhere close to being over. It, the Yankees are going to be a totally different team. I, I, I like them to win uh, a series versus any team. But if, if you if you can't make contact against a pitcher, that that is relevant data. Like if, you know, Javier had 13 Ks in seven innings of no hit ball. I'm telling you. Anyway, listen to your point. I like are the are are the Astros, the Taliban. Absolutely. Are the Yankees Vladimir Putin? Absolutely. So I don't know. Pick your fucking poison. If Russia invaded Afghanistan, I'd be rooting for the Taliban. Uh, You you know, you're you're Putin. By the way, Spaghetti, how's it coming with the assassination attempt? Uh, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm healthy. You're ready to go. Uh, no, we have to pay I your fare. I, I would deploy. I would, I would take him on. I feel, and I feel okay. I wonder if Physically. a foreign national like Spaghetti could just reach out to the Mossad and say, like, hey, I need six weeks hardcore training. Um, we'll do a GoFundMe to pay for it. But can you guys coach me up a little bit? No, I'm going in country. I'm going to fucking kill this motherfucker because nobody else will do it. Uh, and and then we get the massage just to give you some basics, because I feel like you're just going to get tackled at a checkpoint at the mm-hmm. fucking border between Belarus and Russia. And we lose spaghetti. I need you to at least get into the compound before you go down in a hail of bullets. Yeah. Learn some Krav Maga from the, the Mossad. I mean, I think now, too, uh, and I don't want to turn this into a political show, but I feel like there's been a lull in Putin news uh, lately. Uh, but I'm also somebody who does not watch the news 24-7 by design. But I feel like now is the time for me to strike when people kind of slept on it a bit. You know, Biden yeah. coming down with COVID. People aren't really talking about the uh, Ukraine-Russia conflict as much as they were months ago. So I think, yeah, you're right. Now is the time to strike. Be great for extra points and minus three. I mean, imagine the attention we would collectively get for you doing that. But does he have to be like Brad Pitt and company in Inglorious Bastards? Will he have to affect like a Russian accent capably to get close? I I feel like you might have. No, I think he should go. I can speak and read Russian. I I learned it in high school. You can. Yeah, I have to. I have to shore up on some stuff, but I do. Okay. I do know. Whoa, it. I whoa, know that. whoa! That should have been day one when we pitched it. We should have known that day one. That's awesome. 
So you are plausibly part of the delegation who's going as a, as a sports producer, bilingual, you're going to negotiate Brittany Griner's release, and then you fucking stick a shiv in Putin's throat. Now, obviously, it's going to be tense in that moment because a lot of people are going to look at you like this guy just stabbed Vladimir Putin in the throat. But if he's gurgling and it becomes clear he's not going to make it, you might you might be treated like a god. You might be the new president of Russia. Wouldn't that, that be worth it, Spaghetti? Oh, I mean, yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, would you trade that right now? Would you try? I mean, the rest I mean, of it'll, you, you've got, it'll you've cost got me three my life. to five more decades. Yeah, it will. That's exactly what goddamn don't right. Know, it's going to cost him his life. He could be a hero. All the generals might be yeah, I, I won't, just talking about this. I won't have three to five more decades. I would. It, it's it. That's it for me. At at thirty, I would be. I'm saying you're trading. Now. It's like Mel Gibson on the horse in Braveheart. Like, would you trade this day for the rest of the, your life? You know, we, I mean, you know, you're trading the rest of your life. But we're gonna talk about it definitely on the next episode of Minus Three. We definitely be like Spaghetti isn't here because he was killed after he killed Putin. And so, but what a hero he is. And now I hope that the Rangers at least make the playoffs. I'm not going to root for them to win the cup in your memory, but I would say like, I hope that they don't miss the playoffs because that would be, that would be a a slap in Spaghetti's dead face. And, but But I would would still, he'd be avenging Malkin would celebrate over the Rangers. He, he, Spaghetti would be avenging the bread man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Putin's interference in the in the Rangers season a couple of seasons back, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. Um, hey, so so speaking of of Brittany Griner and the 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 difficulty, you know, I don't know if you guys have caught these op eds, but Roxanne Gay just wrote an op ed piece in in uh, the New York Times. You know, basically saying, uh, I mean, a lot of people have made this point. If it was LeBron, or you know, it's like if it was LeBron. Putin would just give him up like what I know like Putin's a monster who 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 wants he wants to get a weapons dealer released like he wants to get a monster released for our fucking law abiding basketball player. That's what he wants. So so Roxanne Gay writes this piece that's basically like the reason Brittany Griner is still there is because you, Dave Damashek, are a racist and a misogynist and a transphobe and a homophobe. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. What did Dave Damashek have to do this? We're trying to get Putin killed. Like, we're the good guys here. And it's like, I've assigned no the producer of this show yes. to go like, and do no it. I mean, what more can no I do? More, no one's done more than the three of us to bring Putin <laughs> to justice. So so she's like, yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. What, what, did, what did Dave Damashek do? And it's like, well, you know, if if people weren't so misogynistic, they would watch the WNBA and then the WNBA would have more money and Brittany Griner wouldn't have to play overseas in the office. Okay. So the average WNBA player only makes two and a half times what the average American makes. So like, yeah, I know the average American has to wait tables all year. I, yeah, she has to be a nurse all year. She doesn't work half the year. So, so Brittany Griner works half the year and then has to work the other half of the year to make, you know, five times what what the average American makes. And it's like what and it's always like, why doesn't why doesn't the WNBA make more? And I would say, Roxanne, how many Britney Griner jerseys do you own? How long have you been a season ticket holder? None of these people writing op-ed pieces about the unfairness between the WNBA and the NBA and how much they make and how much they make 
are fans. None of them pay money. I guarantee you that the three of us with our eyeballs and our time and our direct TV packages, like we spend a lot of money on sports. All the academics who are lecturing us about fucking what monsters we are, they don't like sports. They don't like sports. Like, Roxanne, never seen you courtside at a WNBA game. Guarantee you I've watched more WNBA than you have, but I'm part of the problem because, because so you're going to, so it's always identity politics all the time. So it's like, yes, this is why Brittany Griner is still there because Damashek prefers watching the Golden State Warriors to the fucking Mystics. It's like, satisfying it's for residents of Mount Pius to to throw the to shoot those slings and arrows. Of course, it holds no water. It did occur to me what would happen when people float that thought experiment. What if it was LeBron? What would the U.S. government do differently, though? Would I mean I, I suppose uh, you know the administration would have talked about it sooner, but I don't know that there would be anything practically that they could do to extract them right i mean maybe i'm just a dummy and if it was lebron they would offer putin the release of the arms dealer and westbrook and then putin would be like uh that's cool with just just the arms dealer just the murderous madman yeah keep russ um, I love that Russ. I love that Russ. He's so sensitive. Like he's so sensitive about what a fucking terrible shooter he is. And then so somebody somebody called him West Brick, and it's like Brick. And he like he gets pissed. It's like Russ. Everyone knows your shooting percentage. Like it's not. You can't get. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. You just have to. You got to go. Like yeah, I'm not a great shooter. I talk do about do as I say, not as I do. He is such a douchebag to fans and, and and beyond, but he gets prickly if you insult him is uh, is fascinating. Hey, this baseball season, turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All you do is you sign up, you place your first bet, and FanDuel gives you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. We told you why we love FanDuel, the great promos. You get paid fast. It's safe and secure. These are the reasons that it is America's number one sports book. All you have to do is download the sports book app and sign up using the promo code minus three to get started with your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Talk about fan bases that are probably bummed out. I'm sure... Phoenix pro football fans are over the moon that the melodrama started by Kyler Murray unfollowing the Cardinals right after the season or right after their season ended um, with a disgraceful loss to the Rams. You know, the playoffs provide enough cover for the ha- for the teams that fall away in the playoff runs mostly that you forget about how the season ended because you're on to looking forward to the divisional round and the title games and the Super Bowl. As I've said about Patrick Mahomes and and the Chiefs, their flame out in the second half against the Bengals is is really loco and probably more than people acknowledge Andy Reid and otherwise is like that whatever we're doing is officially not working consistently enough. We don't have to keep Tyreek Hill. Maybe this is the opportune time to move on um the arizona cardinals much as i have belly ached endlessly about lamar jackson and what the hell is going on with the ravens and why we don't hear anything about that now kyler murray is signed to like 46 million dollars this coming season and 
you know, uh, 150 plus million guaranteed, not as much as Deshaun Watson. But here we go now with with that level of guaranteed loot and pro football. And if you're a Cardinals fan, you don't want to go into the abyss of like, what are we going to do at quarterback? And this guy has been really good for us the last couple of few years, but it hasn't equaled playoff success. And now you're on the wrong side of it. I know this is a, a point that I have made many times, but it's valid. Roughly half the Super Bowls in the 21st century have been won by quarterbacks, not just great quarterbacks, but quarterbacks in the sweet spot in between years uh, two and five. No rookie has ever won it. But in years two to five, that's the sweet spot. That's when the studs win their Super Bowls because once they start to consume more of the cap, then the roster goes down. And this is in the era of Tom Brady winning all those Super Bowls deep in his career. How do you feel if you're the Arizona Cardinals? Kyler Murray is obviously a good one, but also there are a ton, as it happens, of good quarterbacks in the quarterback league now. Is this the right move, Hench? Well, and the, the thing that's more problematic with Kyler, even notwithstanding that abomination against the Rams, like right, just, that's what that was the other side. Yeah, right. I've met good, like good that, Lord, like he maybe stunk had, in that game and then kind maybe, of half quit he towards had, the uh, end. COVID and they threw the test in the garbage. But the other problem with Kyler, particularly, is the thing he does that makes him elite is the thing that goes away the fastest. So like, you know, if you if you eventually are going to have to put him in the pocket, you know, more and more and more, he's going to get more and more and more average. You know, when he just takes off and you're like, well, oh, you see the fastest guy on the field like that. That part is is such a game changer. So you've given all this money. Nobody gets faster. Like you talk about the window, right? He's he's in the I'm going to get slower every day for the rest of my life phase of his life, right? Not a lot, you know, talk about winning Super Bowls. How about winning the 100 meter dash at the Olympics? Like guys get slower every time they get hit after a certain age. So you've got a guy whose who's difference making skill is going to start to erode as he's costing you more. And, and so, I mean, you have to do it. I think you don't want to, that, that headline I sent you guys, uh, Brown's Brown's trying out Rosen and McCarron at QB. Like you don't want to be in that situation, obviously. But I do think there are there are teams. I mean, there've been there've been tons of them where you're like, you've got to go with your guy, but he also puts a ceiling on your chances of winning the Super Bowl. Like you could definitely make the playoffs. You're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so, so that's, I mean, that's a trade-off, but I think if you're, if you're the coach who's going to get fired, if you go five and 12, you definitely want, want him, want him there to preserve your, your future. But let's, okay, let's do, I wanted, we, wait, 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 before we move on, there's something well, I wanted playoffs. to say here. I wanted to say something about that. I said on Tuesday at the start of mid July, I don't know why. I can be very cynical about any number of subjects, specific, about pro football specifically when I need to be. For some reason, in July, after the draft and free agency are wrapped up and before they head to training camp and injuries inevitably start to happen and so on, I can look at every team's roster and think, maybe they could be good. Yeah, I could see them making the playoffs. I could see them. Be, and because every year... The Cincinnati Bengals happen every year. Somebody is that team like who nobody talked about them. 
And I can make the case that this year it might be the one that's in my head lately, not going to a Super Bowl or anything like that, but the Jacksonville Jaguars. I could definitely see. Was everybody this wrong about Trevor Lawrence? Unlikely. There, you know, Jamarcus Russell had his fans. And you didn't know what he was up to when he wasn't on the practice field. And that's the that's the X factor that if you're not plugged into, you know, people close to the team, like he does not show up and practice very much. He doesn't know the playbook. Those are he likes a little booze. That's been true of certain QBs and players over the years. But, you know, that aside, you can't really the scouts aren't going to be that wrong about a guy who they who they deemed in Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent. So I kind of like the Jags, but I said on Tuesday, the one team that I know that is not going to make the playoffs, the first one, Seattle Seahawks, no playoffs for you. And now I'm ready to add another one. We just talked about them. Congratulations on number one being under center at the start of the season for you, Arizona Cardinals. Enjoy it. You get 17 games, and that's it. 17 total games for your Arizona Cardinals this year because I'm sad to report Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and Cardinals faithful. No playoffs for you. Well, interesting. Cardinals are done. That's it. Well, they're... They're going to go 2-0 against the Seahawks. It's weird that you started in the same division. So it's like, so uh, I guess they're going to go 6-9 um, and nine against the rest of the, the league. Um, I th- Under 8.5, you get that at FanDuel. You can go uh, under their season win total of 8.5. I'm confident in that one. I, I suspect you're going to agree with this because you've, you've sort of been out in front of the pack on this. But, I, you know, I think – the Chiefs missed the playoffs. And Ooh, they're, they're spicy. They're under 10 and a half is plus 110. But to your point about like the, the Bengals, I mean, the second half, the, I didn't like that, that goal line sequence against the Bengals, or the second half against the Bengals. Like it just feels like we've seen the Chiefs figured out a bunch of times, like where it's like, oh, this is where they're just going to move the ball right down the field. It's like, no, no, they don't. And obviously, I think Tyreek Hill. So the combination of subtracting the guy who absolutely blows the top off the defense, like very hard to weigh what that means for Kelsey. Like everybody just has to turn their back and run because this guy's so fast. Um, Taking that away and then adding Russell, uh, adding Devontae Adams, like the division got a lot better and you got a little worse. And to me, that adds up to nine and eight or ten and seven, under ten and a half, plus uh, plus one ten, and uh, out of out of the hyper competitive AFC playoff picture. Also, throw out a best bet. Boy, that is that's a bold one that I really like, Hench. And what you can do is you get into listing rosters is as how people justify what what happens to me when i in the month of july perennially is i look and i think like i'm kind of down on the chiefs from a distance i didn't like the way the season overall went for them last year i didn't like that flame out in in uh, the title game that they had salted away basically when you see that ball hit tyree kills hands at about the four yard line and you think he's gonna run into the end zone before the half and that's that and the chiefs are going to another super bowl you jump ahead 
you know, an hour and 45 minutes later, two hours later, and the Bengals have just won in overtime, your head spins from all that. But then I look at, okay, but they got Sky Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster to go along there and MVS. And so now he's going to have Mahomes is going to have a gaggle of options and that's going to give headaches to defenses. And then they got George Karloftis, who's going to be a guy that they plug in and probably make some hay in his rookie season um, with the pass rush. And so, okay, they're not going to be that bad, but everybody else added up. And in the quarterback league, it's all offense. Very few teams devote the amount of dollars uh, that they do anywhere close on defense uh, as they do on offense. So, as you say, the Chiefs, the the defense is still not because they've added a couple of rookies with with first round picks. Doesn't mean that they're going to be as good a defense by a, by a far stretch from what the Chargers are going to throw out there this year. Denver is intriguing at least, and the team nobody is talking enough about continues to be. The Raiders. I don't know what Josh McDaniels and the math of he's a Be- uh, Belichick assistant and the track record or the lousy track record there. I'm kind of with you about these Chiefs here. That's splashy stuff to to throw out there, Hench. I like that. And their win total is ten and a half. You can go under that. On well, Fandor and I'll and I'll pair it. Okay, so so two of the last three years, I have bet on. Bet on one team to win the Super Bowl, and two of the last three years, that team has won the Super Bowl. Three years ago, it was the Chiefs plus 700 coming off that crazy loss to the Patriots in the title game. Obviously, to your point about quarterbacks in their sweet spot, you're like, that team plus 700, they win the Super Bowl. Then I missed the following year. Then last year, the Rams were plus 1,000. I'm like, okay. Who'd you have two years ago, just for I the record? I don't remember who I, who I had. Uh, maybe the Cowboys. I'm always I'm always too bullish on on the Cowboys. They've cost me so much money in the Dak Prescott era. But um, so so this year my my team is plus fifteen hundred. Oh, also plays in Los Angeles. Oh. And you know when you think about when you're looking for for reasons you know why the Chiefs might not make the playoffs. Remember that. Super Bowl against the Buccaneers where it's like Mahomes just had a guy in his lap, you know, in in half a second. Like, and so uh, assuming they're healthy, if Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa are coming off the line of scrimmage together, like that's, that makes a huge difference. That makes who's, someone's going to be single teamed. Someone's going to be whipping his man. And I just could easily, the Chargers, part of having no home field advantage makes you a good road team. It's weird. Like, so I, I actually feel like the Chargers will have, have played with no home field advantage long enough that they they have no problem going into Arrowhead. That team already. And this quarterback, you know, it, he might be number one. I it, it, That performance against the Raiders uh, to, to almost carry them across, across the finish line with the fourth and 15s and the rocket arm. So I just I, I love Herbert. I love the Chargers. Um, I think they they leap over the Chiefs. I agree with you about the Raiders. And it's like if everyone's getting better, and this is how I feel about the Patriots. If everyone's getting better, someone's going to take those losses in the division. And and I could I could definitely see the Chiefs going two and four in the division. You're well. You're right that and and the track record specifically the head to head against the Chiefs transcends Staley and Herbert. It goes back to to Phil Rivers doing it. But they have had 
you know, relatively speaking, for, you know, a team that's always in the playoffs and high up there in the seedings in the AFC against the Chiefs, the Chargers have done as well as anybody has against that team over the years. Uh, the last, like, plus I'd say four or five. Plus 1,500. It's, you know what it all has to do with? And we talked to Schwartz about this, and he always makes fun of me for, for my Chargers affection and for my Chiefs cynicism and, and, and all of that. But first of all, you know, is my, you know, I, because it was decreed, a lot of this hinges on things that ha- people have said out loud over the years. One, Patrick Mahomes is the best now. People, all, we've all agreed. Now, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented um, human being to ever play quarterback, replacing Aaron Rodgers. But then Aaron Rodgers does something funny, which is win two MVP awards. So now that's even in question. Is Mahomes definitely the best quarterback in the NFL, or is it the old guy up in Green Bay? But at the same time, is Mahomes, I mean, is he is he definitely discernibly way better than Justin Herbert? No, but the Chargers defense is definitely way better than the Chiefs right. defense, right? I mean, and how I, much it, better? However much better Mahomes would have to be than Herbert to make up for that difference, he isn't. I mean, and then people say yeah. Andy Reid, which is semi-valid, but now there's stuff with Eric Bieniemy and whether there was confusion. I also question, and oh, but the Chargers, the doubters with the Chargers are like because they're the Chargers. That's real. That 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 is what people actually say. It's like, well, it's a it's the Chargers. How can you believe in them? They're just one of those franchises that's never going to get over the hump. As we've learned in the last 15 years by the Cubs and the Cavaliers and the Capitals and teams that never were going to get over the hump just cuz their play got over the hump. So, um I I I'm with you completely on the Chargers. Once again, I just don't want to sing about it too much because people like Eddie Spaghetti then go like, yeah, but you're on the Chargers all the time. So it's not that splashy. Well, it's be right this is something year. that hench. That's right. It's spaghetti. That, that, does this uh, turn you around on the Chargers a little bit? No, uh, it doesn't. I mean, I'm not going to write <laughs> off Patrick Mahomes just yet. And I, I know you like it, they I'm sorry that if it sounds lame as a, a reason why, but it's the same. I said the same thing with the Capitals until the Capitals did it. I think there's just this uh, mental block of like we're, we can't overcome this. And I'm just uh, I'm not in love with I know the Raiders were a great story last year, so I'm not dead certain they're going to be awesome. I don't think that Russell Wilson at this stage with the with Denver is going to be that great either. So it's like to me, I still see the Chiefs getting some wins that you could you right now maybe saying oh it's going to be a tough game. Like I I still think Mahomes is that good that they'll win enough games, and I think the Chargers will be a good team to be well above 500. But I I still don't see the Chiefs uh, blowing their chances of making the playoffs. All right. Well, I mean you know what the, I guess the X factor is. Uh, Brandon Staley. I was excited about him, but man, he had his foot on the gas even a little bit much for me. But hence, you touched on it. I say the guys and the teams that we moved on from uh, stinking performances in the playoffs, and then you forget about them because you're on to the next weekend, but you hit on it. It's already been lost in history. What Justin Herbert did in the fourth quarter in overtime. Fourth and 10, fourth and 10, fourth and 15, fourth and 10. It was crazy with the season on the line, the conversions he was making. That can only serve him well in the team uh, going forward. I, I like the Chargers um, quite a bit. The Raiders win total. I'll give you that over right now. Eight and a half. How say you, Hench, is uh, where that one sits. Are you with me that uh, that the Raiders are a good play over? Um basically a 500 record for the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously um, McDaniel, like 
he's sharp. And I feel like Derek Carr is wildly underrated. And now he's got, I mean, he, you know, obviously was moving the ball without weapons. And now he has the weapon of weapons. So, I mean, how, how can you not be better? Like, so. And Aaron Waller and Hunter Renfro. I mean, they're, they're loaded up. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. You you talk about like, you talk about Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. It's like, uh, you can't double both those guys. Like you're not enough players. Um, and then if you talk about Waller and Devonte Adams, it's like, who are you going to go head up on? Cause the guy you don't double is going to have 14 catches for 180 yards. Spaghetti, your thoughts on that one. Raiders. Eight, uh, yeah. The, I think they are going to, they're an eight or nine win team. And like I was kind of saying before, it's like, it's when your division's that tough, uh, knowing that you could, they could potentially go under 500 in the division games, um, which does hurt their win total. I, I, right now I would say I think they could win nine games to go over, but that's a team. I think it's going to be in like the seven to nine win range this year. I'm not, I don't get real swept up in pouring over a schedule. Um, because as I say, injuries and otherwise it gets disrupted and you fear that game in mid November. And then when you, get to that game in mid-November like oh yeah I remember seeing this in the summertime and I was scared of that game but it turns out they stink since their star wide receiver got hurt I don't get real swept up in it but for what it matters pull up the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 schedule and identify and I'm not talking about like their first five games their their first half of the season I think it's even 10 games is such a brute it really is difficult I'm gonna go with the Chiefs under 10 and a half Hence, you're with me on that as well, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's Hench a historically, is, I mean, historically difficult schedule. So, okay. We're under there. Spaghetti's over that since he thinks they're going to win the division. Chargers at nine and a half. I am way in. That's already dropped since last week when I said go over the 10. It's now dropped by half a game. You get that at minus 145 if you want that. Hench, obviously, you're with me. Spaghetti, where are you on that number specifically? Nine and that'll, a half. That'll go over. I can see them winning 10 games. I think they're going to have a, a pretty good regular season. But like I said, the playoff is a whole other story. But yeah, they'll they'll win 10 games. And let's do let's round out the AFC West here. They're the Broncos and they're the ones that I'm kind of skeptical about. But Hench, to your point about uh, about the Raiders, and I have pointed at that for for many, many moons, for a dozen years. I've always said it is bizarre that in a world that includes the Lombardi coaching tree and the Bill Walsh coaching tree and the Chaz Knoll coaching tree and the Holmgren coaching tree and so on and so forth that Bill Belichick has nobody. Bill O'Brien is the most successful that he's ever had, and he had a decent little run there in Houston when he never had a decent quarterback. Um, and Brian Flores had a had a little bit of a splash there in Miami, but it's really bad. That said, Josh McDaniels quietly, and we've talked to David Carr about this, ha- was trying to get Derek Carr for a couple of years since Brady left. There, The guy that McDaniel circled and wanted and that the Patriots uh, were trying to back channel over to Foxborough was Derek Carr. That's a vote of confidence. And, you know, Josh McDaniel has been floated to Indianapolis a couple of years ago and they backed out of that, that this is the one that he waited out. And I always thought, well, he's just now at this point going to wait till Belichick hangs it up in Foxborough that he went out of his way to take this job in Vegas at least for what it matters. He believes that this is a great move for him. I like that. Um, 
you know, the offensive line seems to be uh, pretty decent. And to your point about what the Chargers can do with pass rush, so too can the Raiders. I like these. I like the Raiders a lot. The team I'm skeptical of is the Broncos. I have kissed Russell Wilson into being one of those, you know, guys who comes through in big spots and uh, for good reason. He always did, and he always made the playoffs. I don't know about the Broncos. I don't know that I buy Nathaniel Hackett definitely being uh, being a QB whisperer here. You know, it's not like he was the main man up there in Green Bay. I don't know exactly what to make of the Broncos in a loaded division. Nine and a half is where that win total sits. How say you, Hedge? Um, that's a, I, I think they win nine games. They won seven games last year and they were plus 13, you know, which is pretty wild in that murderous division. And you, so you're like, okay, you're seven and 10 and your, your, your plus minus is plus 13 uh, with, with Teddy, the glove and, and drew Locke. Like you add Russell Wilson, that's gotta be worth two games, right? I mean, they gotta go, they gotta go nine and eight at least, but I probably would stay away. I wouldn't go so far as 10. Uh, I do think it's funny when you when you're talking about McDaniels like so the, it was very weird the backing out of Indy like it was just weird right it's just weird and it's like you know and and it's kind of not done and like you know handshake agreements have to be firm or guys could do that all the time like yes but really I mean no and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he invoked the old chestnut kids are in school kids are happy here like what happened? Your kids get their PhDs? <laughs> well, I don't understand. Like now, well, I, I mean, lots, well, but lot, I mean, Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know if I want to take my little ones around those rough. Oh uh, yeah, but Vegas. Let's well, move to Vegas. Well, we toured the public City. schools in uh, in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, it's like, of course, suddenly your kids' education and hanging out with their friends means fucking jack shit. Or even seeing your kids means nothing if you end up where you want to end up. Uh, it's just, I, it's always so fucking lame when they invoke the family because it's this bulletproof vest where nobody can say anything. It's like I talked it over with my family. It's like you guys, you're monsters. None of you have considered your family for a second. That's why you're a head coach in the NFL. You've never given a second thought to the needs of your family. You would much rather be at the facility at 5 a.m. It's the whole Brady thing we talked about when you were like, do you think he's retired? I go, we'll find out in six weeks when he's with his family for a month and a half. Sure enough. It was, hey, guys, it I'm was, back. It was a fortnight. That's as it turned out. <laughs> uh, again, bulletproof Brady. Somehow, I mean, can you imagine if anybody else? There's a lot of talk about should Andrew Luck be put into the Colts ring of honor? Um, and I always thought, I thought that sucked. I think I, the, the way he retired and was more or less let off the hook. He didn't catch that much heat. And as I said at the time, imagine if Cam Newton did that to the Carolina Panthers. To, you know, whatever that was. Two weeks before the season, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm not going to make it, guys. Yeah, well, what do you mean? You're, for, you're not going to make it to the last preseason game? No, no, I'm retiring. I'm just going to hang. Wait, you could have told us this at any point in, over the last six months. Now you're doing this right before the season starts. I don't know about the Andrew Luck thing, um, but the Tom Brady just basically retired and because he wanted to buy the Dolphins, and then the, the Bucks were like, "Ah, that's cool, you scamp! Come on back here, let's let's do it." It is really funny that somehow he gets away with all that. But um, I know, know the I, Andrew Luck thing is so nuts because I, I was thinking, you know, obviously this 
if if somebody had said uh, to you about the big four uh, QBs in that draft a few years ago, Lamar Jackson notwithstanding, if somebody had said Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, if they said to you, um, one of these guys is going to the Hall of Fame, the other three are going to be complete busts. And you're like, oh, wow, this makes it really tough. Like I, I one of these guys going to the Hall of Fame, the other three are going to kill your franchise. Oh, uh, oh, boy. OK. And so I feel like if I'm being honest, I would have taken Darnold. I'm like, OK, he seems the most like like in a way that Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, that was a real conversation. Like it was like people were really talking about Manning is NFL ready, but Ryan Leaf has this mystical upside, like, you know, these physical tools. And if you were looking at that draft, you'd be like, Darnold is Peyton Manning and Josh Allen could be Ryan Leaf. Like he's this fucking huge athletic guy, but, you know, it it, it didn't, you know, he wasn't great at Wyoming. But you mentioned Andrew Luck and I was just, I was just doing one of my little sports trivia quizzes. And when you look at, it was like rookies that have that have taken their team to the playoffs in their rookie year. And so Mac Jones was the, the latest entry. But it was like you forget that the, the Andrew Luck, RG3, like these guys, you know, both re- great potential, both incredible players. Then you look how their careers start and you're like, oh, well, they're both going to the Hall of Fame. Like, I mean, our, our, our RG3 had such a phenomenal Wait, 20 TDs, five INTs, 815 yards rushing. Like, this is a generational talent. And 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 then Andrew, Andrew Luck obviously was also headed to the Hall of Fame. You're like, oh no, ne- neither of those guys m- made it, you know, it, it, with within a thousand miles of Canton. Like it's just it's crazy. funny. Well, I'd say, you know what that the worst example of that is, because they were on the same team. Can you imagine if I would have told you in 1988? Oh, yeah, Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, neither one's getting anywhere close to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, you would have been, what, what the hell are you talking about? Of course, they're, they're both tracking there. Um, but, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a funny point about luck. All right, I'm going to wait on the Broncos. I'm going to wait. Nine and a half. That is a, a tough one. I've got I've to let that settle Well, let's into my get to the chase because we got to wrap this up. It's too Okay, long. I want to get uh, to the chase. Go ahead. All right, so let's go. What are the Steelers? Oh, well, I've already weighed in on that. Seven and a half. I will say about it, I am I, I've I, I say over. I mean, Mike Tomlin doesn't do losing records. He never has. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen here. Russell Wilson missed the playoffs finally a year ago, and now he has no big Ben Roethlisberger. If you haven't heard, he retired. They are the the defense, uh, barring like a too many cooks in the kitchen effect with Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin and Terrell Austin coaching that same defense, with the players they have, they should be a top two or three defense. I mean, you know, injuries notwithstanding. And again, I can get swept up in like, but then they have George Pickens from Georgia who should be a stud to go along with Deontay Johnson and Najee Hare, all that. Uh, it's more about the defense, the zig against the league zag. That should be the difference maker for the team. At least I, I you know, I think that they'll probably, I'm not going to make my final win total pick yet. Somewhere in the range of nine to 10 wins sounds about right for the Steelers, given an absolutely brutal schedule, but I, I'm going to go over the seven and a half and I'm not going to sweat that one too much. How say you though, Hench? I agree. And it's what's funny about this, the, the quarterback situation uh, you know, when you, you mentioned Tomlin and the wins that he always manages to find every year, 
Tomlin is carving out these these winning seasons. And so the the reason that number is so low, it's it's like it's because they've lost their Hall of Fame quarterback. It's like, yeah, he sucked. That, that who who can like they're not going to have a huge drop off at quarterback play from last year. Not not possible. And to your point about those weapons, like a little bit of game management, let the defense carry the day. And I, I totally agree with you that 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 seven and a half is an overreaction to the most important position on the field. That- I mean, they went nine, six and one with I mean, I don't know how every game 38 to 34 in the NFL and the Steelers knuckleballed their way to 15, 12 victories week after week and not again. And it was the same level of performance uh, between the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears as it was against the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. It made no sense that they that they continued to win games by basically that same 15 to 12 score in a quarterback league, high points league. It was really crazy. Last thing before we go, Hedge. Um, and m- maybe we kick this down the road till next week so you can put together a proper list. But it was Natalie Wood's birthday earlier this week, uh, you know, one of the great starlets in, in show business history. And periodically it occurs to me who I was, uh, maybe we do it this way. Who is the most beautiful Hollywood star of all time? And we get you, if you want to throw out the, 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 the male side, you can do that too. Um, but I was curious for your opinion on the, on the most beautiful starlet of them all or, and, or, who was the most stunning in a single movie, a la Grace Kelly in Rear Window? Okay, well, I yeah, okay. Well, we, this is this deserves a longer conversation than we okay. Have time then that we, we can spare. I would just I'll tease it with this, and this is good because I'm I'm being an uh, an equal opportunity offender here because I don't think you're allowed to talk about how attractive people are or aren't. I don't think you're allowed to talk, even mention. We're talking about the human. We're talking okay. about human beings, right. not male or female. But, so, so sexiest couple on screen to me of all time: peak J Lo and peak Clooney in Out of Sight. Hmm. That scene in the bar, the way the way it's lit, the way they Great. charm each other. Oh my God! They're just both so beautiful, like that. That to in me, sharp relief to the to the loser businessmen who come up and take bar, their shot like, at her. The way he Clooney. walks, you're competing with Clooney for this piece of ass. What are you out of your minds? But like, just two gorgeous. And those that's that's what a movie star is, you know. Those two, and that movie is fantastic, obviously, and it holds is. up. Uh, so that's my snap judgment, but we'll come up, we'll come up with a longer list next I'll, week. I will tell you two more, just to, if you haven't seen these movies, I watched on my flight Belfast and talk about two beautiful people, the, the husband and wife, the mother and father of that movie. Have you seen Belfast? No. Oh, it's a, you, you, you'll uh, eat it up. I think, um, it's, it's a wonderful picture, but those are two beautiful people as well. And, uh, I also saw for the first time, I don't know how I'd never seen it, but I finally caught in my infirmity, uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button. And I don't know why that movie got bad reviews. Boy, it was a splendid picture. You've seen that one? No. Really? I I, I got the I got the bad uh, mojo from people I trusted, and I was like, oh, all right, seems well, like I, I remember there being bad re- mixed reviews for it. I thought it was just but is a, that a, is that a Kate Blanchett? Movie. 
Is it Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt. And it really is. It's a funny thing because, you know, the story is obviously that he ages right. backwards, but it somehow presents the, you know, mortality and aging and everything else by turning it upside down like that in a relationship and everything. It, it kind of um, uh, makes the aging process resonate in a way it, it, it didn't even though you, you you know, you watch people get old and instead watching him get young while she gets older, it was uh, striking and uh, sad. I mean, you know, uh, bittersweet spaghetti. You've seen that movie or no? Uh, no, I would never, it, the premise bored me. I would never watch it. I do watch most movies, but that one, I just like, and now that I know what happens, I know the premise of it. I'm just like, I don't need to see a, a quasi depressing movie that got, you know, mid-level. Oh, it's great. They'll learn, learn about what it is to be, a uh, to, to live in the mortal coil. Like Putin's about to, when you get over there. Oh my God. All right, let's go. Shift yeah, that spaghetti. May this might be spaghetti's last show. Best wishes to you. I would toast, uh, Dos Vidanya. Um, and, uh, and all the rest of it, do it for the bread man spaghetti, you know, do it for that. He'll, he'll be, um, he'll feel good that a Rangers fan did that on his behalf. And maybe that will propel him to success, um, in chasing a Stanley cup. Talk about a team that never wins the big one, New York Rangers. Am I right? Hench? Maybe, uh, you'll get uh, Kachuk though. One of your two. Well, that was, that was unnecessary, but I'm still raw about what happened two months ago. All right, listen. What I'm not raw about is uh, getting to reconnect with the great Kevin Hench there. Glad to see he's uh, back to near full health. And you'll hear from him um, next week in this uh, same allotted time. In the meantime, thanks to you, Kevin Hench. Looking forward to catching up next week. And Eddie Spaghetti, let's wrap it up here ourselves and uh, make sure you go back and listen to the episode we did earlier in the week with Jeff Schwartz. A lot of college football, pro football talk there for you. And we'll be back on the other side of the weekend. Make sure in the meantime, you're listening to all things Extra Points and go to extrapoints.com to uh, you know, play against us, play with us in the arcade. All that good stuff. Football's almost here, everybody. We'll keep talking it up for you. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.